Welcome to the Struggling Pastors Podcast, real conversations about ministry and life with Israel Gomez and Tian Doan. This podcast is a real recording of a conversation between two friends who happen to be struggling pastors. Uh, Mr. Israel Gomez, how are you doing? Doing good. Mr. Dr. Tian Doan, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm kind of sick right now. I'm kind of sick. My voice is, um, yeah, my voice is kind of gone. Sunday, my voice um, started cracking. During my sermon, I sounded like uh, Peter Brady in that one episode where he loses his voice, you know? So, Dude, um, I'm a lot younger than you, so I don't remember that episode. No, you're not. You're like, you're like two <laughs> weeks younger than me. Two weeks. Dude, oh, that's a dangerous thing for a pastor, man. The yeah. voice. That's yeah. a big deal. Man. Yeah. So what would so, you do? You uh, see the doctor and stuff, or you're good? No, I'm good. I'm good. I just needed a rest. Um, the other thing, the big, the big news is this. Um, like, uh, you know, we for the audience who's listening, uh, you know, we we kind of batch record our our um, our uh, episodes, and uh, we haven't uh, we haven't talked to each other for for a few weeks, and you know things came up. But uh, the biggest news is um, my son graduated high school yesterday. Boom, dude. That is awesome. What's he going to do? What's his plan? Well, he's going to hang out and, and lounge around the house for a little while, but uh, not too long because in about six weeks, he's uh, joining the Navy. We're shipping him off to uh, Great Lakes Naval uh, Training Command, and they're going to make a sailor out of him. That's awesome, dude. That is awesome. Man, yeah, is this something he's really wanting to do? About- yeah, it has been. I mean, he actually signed up uh, last summer, so he's been in the in in uh, you know with the recruiters for a whole year, and but um, so he signed up last summer um, before he started his senior year. But it uh, but the military is something that he's talked about since he was like a little kid. I mean, it's just been an interest of his, and you know he he just he reads all these you know military books, and and he's just he, he's a student of history and he's just real passionate about it. So um, mm, you know mm. his uh, there's a lot of military folks in uh, on my wife's side you know grandpa who mm-hmm. uh, uh my son steven is named after his 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 grandpa's name is steven who's my mentor one of my personal uh heroes in life uh served in the in the navy um during the vietnam war mm-hmm. and so um you know and actually um and then both of uh my wife's grandfathers were were in the navy during world war Two. yeah and there's a bunch of other people you know um so it's it just um yeah, yeah, it's something yeah. that it's in the family and sure. Hey, this is by the way, this is uh so amazing. We were at dinner last night after after um the graduation and grandpa uh uh grandpa Steve uh Reverend Stephen Langley uh who was my mentor um gave my son Stephen a gift. It was just I mean th- this gift like made everyone at the table cry. Um so um at uh, and he wrote this letter and at his, my, uh, you know, uh, my father-in-law's at his graduation 55 years ago, his grandfather, uh, gave him a, a, a watch. And wow. then my, my, uh, father-in-law, uh, Stephen's grandfather, um, passed down this watch to him. Uh, so this is what it's from his great, great, his great grandfather. No, great, great grandfather. Wow. And the crazy thing is it was in the original box. And, and, um, uh, it had the original warranty card, uh, in the original box by this old company. And it was just, it was just cool. It mm. kind of remind me of, um, uh, that scene from Pulp Fiction, you know, Hey, this, yeah. <laughs> this, watch, <laughs> Dude. this uncomfortable piece of, uh, 
Yeah, I kept this for 55 uh, years. Oh, man. man. I was not but, expecting that. I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those things that was deleted. Hey, from you're our... a pastor. You're not supposed to be man, watching that stuff. No, that's right. Oh, man, well, you're hey, look. Say, what, what movie are you talking about? What's that? Okay. Yeah, no. Hey, look. That What a cool legacy, though. That's super, yeah. super cool. Well, hey, look. We. I'll tell you. You asked me how I was doing it. And, I, and look, I'm going to give you the goods. We, we actually have another teenager driving. Um um, so now our daughter and now our son is driving. He's under permit right now. But we had a, kind of an interesting thing, which that's ex- an exciting thing. But Abe, Abe cr- uh, crashed the car already? Not yet. Man. Honestly, Abe, he's going to say he's going to hey, have to tell the truth. Dude, uh, scary stuff, though, right? Anyway, um, but on the way to go take the written portion of the test at the DMV, my, my wife stopped at a Walmart. And leaving the store, she realized she had left her purse at the Walmart uh, parking lot. So she turns around. I mean, she's like, she gets five minutes. In the parking lot? Yes. I'm it's a, like It gets better. So she she drives away and she calls me. She realizes what's happened. Uh, dude, my wife is super sharp, man. Like really logical. Knows, I mean, it just has it together. But so she goes back and it's like, how did I do this? Like she, that is not her at all. And she, she knew that it, it did not make it in the car and, and that it and that it had come out she of left the, it in the, the cart. Store. She left it in the cart or something. She left it in the cart. So she yeah. knew that it would for sure came out of the store, but she knows it didn't go into the car. So she went back and it was gone. So it, because she was on her way to the DMV, um, there's certain things that are required when you go take that exam. You need uh, different forms of ID and that, that we kind of keep that thing, that stuff in a package. So that meant the kids birth certificates social security cards yeah it's crazy credit cards all that stuff so we had an insane couple days last week just shutting everything down blocking credit changing bank account it was a nightmare um holy smokes and then um i got a ding we had this card in that package that we haven't used for years a home depot card so everything is like blocked protected stopped you know it took a day to do that and i get a ding on a home depot card for $50 for like a $50 gas card at a Home Depot. And sure enough, like within like 20 minutes, that person had driven to the local Home Depot and bought a gas card. And so anyway, just an interesting, interesting Dude. week. We're um, anyway, so that so was, they didn't, they didn't leave. They didn't leave anything back. They didn't. Yeah, no, they didn't give it back to the store. We were hoping. I mean, you know, we we asked the security, you know, and all that. Yeah. No, no, they didn't give anything. No. So, yeah, that really sucks. I mean, we, we uh, we've had, um, you know, identity theft stuff, you know, so we're we're, we're doing that monitoring stuff with the family. So anyways, Dude. hey, uh, let, let's get back to it. People probably don't care about our lives. So, they don't. They don't. Um, yeah, they don't care about us. Um, hey, uh, one of the things I was thinking about, and uh, uh, I wanted to do a little change of our format. Um, I've been uh, uh, working on writing an article. You know, our, our podcast is called Struggling Pastors uh, Podcast, and uh, I've been working on a, on an article, a blog article that um, I'm I'm thinking that uh, you know it could become a book one day. Um, but uh, I wanted to write down uh, advice for struggling pastors, and um, the 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 idea is like you know I wanted to, to answer the question like like um, uh, like what do like what um, advice uh, do do I wish someone would have 
given me before I became a pastor? Like, what do I wish someone would have sat me down and say, hey, um, hey, you're preparing to uh, become a pastor or you're preparing to take this new church. I want to give you some uh, words of advice, you know, like like Solomon like advice about ministry. Um, So um, so I'm working on this on on this article and I I came up with seven words of advice that I I would give to a, a new pastor or a struggling pastor. And uh, Israel, I thought we would um, take some time uh, discussing these uh, seven pieces of advice, and we'll tackle one per episode. Um, uh, so uh, you, you game uh, about that? I'm game. That sounds great, man. Yeah. So, so yep. uh, the, the words of advice um, that I'm, we're going to cover are about the, uh, mainly about the life and soul of a pastor. They're, they're, they're not about uh, ministry tricks and tactics or, or ministry hacks. They're about uh, some deeper issues, you know, but like, like your perspective, your priorities or the state of your soul. So um, here are our seven word, uh, uh, the seven words of advice I would give to a struggling pastor. So what we want to do is I want to give you an overview, um, give an overview of all seven pieces of advice, and then we'll uh, tackle one of these uh, per episode. So uh, let me go ahead and read uh, the, the list of seven, and then we'll, we'll just go back and forth and we'll talk about the first one today and uh, the second one next time. Okay. So uh, the, the, the first uh, word of advice, number one, I'll just read it uh, one through seven. Uh, Number one, be patient and prepare for the long haul. Number two, find friends in ministry. Number three, get to know yourself better. Number four, invest in your family. Number five, combat ministry idolatry. Number six, Make disciples personally. And then number seven, last one, is be ready for spiritual warfare. So that's my list. Uh, any, uh, any of these jump out uh, to you and you just heard the list there? Um, you know, actually, a few of them jump out um, qu- quite a bit. I mean, I, man, the whole patience. Uh, yes. The short answer, yes, in so many ways. I, you're just making me stoked we're going to talk about this. This is going to be really helpful to some guys. And I, I'm, I'm going to say boat, Tian. I wish someone would have sat me down and kind of was able to talk about some of these uh, particulars. Um, but um, especially on the, the, the first one, the patience piece, because that is a tough, that's an internal struggle for sure. So solid well, man you're lucky you're lucky because that's uh the first that's the one we're talking about today so uh the first word of advice for a new pastor or a struggling pastor you know is this is be patient and prepare for the long haul um so israel when you hear that for the first time someone telling you hey be patient prepare for the long haul what's the first thing that that comes to your mind um, I, I actually think of my own personal journey, uh, quite honestly. I mean, uh, I think the road into ministry vocationally is a, it's a long road. It's not, I, I mean, I, I totally understand that someone can be called to it for a season of life and go do something else, uh, you know, cause we're always in ministry, but I, I would say, I, I know from personal experience and those I interact with, that this is not like what people want to do. They usually want something sooner than what God is willing or uh, willing to give them uh, as it relates to ministry. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm remind. I, I think of like even the whole issue with with Moses being called to do what he was going to do, and I, I think, good night. Here he is, forty. He has this incident where he 
he kills this this Egyptian, and then he, it really like his ministry really starts later, another forty years later. Anyway, so yeah. so he spent two uh, two thirds of his life in in, uh, in training and preparation, right before you know the last third of it. Um, for sure. What, what what do you think? Uh, why is it so easy for for uh, pastors and leaders to be impatient? Like why why uh, are we tempted to uh, uh, to be impatient? Well, you know, uh, man, I'll tell you what that we we tend to think of it just like other jobs. But you know what's interesting? I think with a lot of other voc- vocations, people don't necessarily look at them with impatience. They know they take some time. There might be uh, some some uh, jobs and vocations might take a certain amount of education and training and licensing and studying under mentorship and so forth. And um, man, so I, I don't really know why that is. I, I think a lot of times maybe there's the internal piece because people, they wrestle with that internal call and they just kind of feel like, hey, no, you know, God is, I think God's telling me that, you know, I should do this. And so they, they want it now, you know, um, they don't want to wait. So, I mean, that would be a reason. I don't know all the reasons, but I know for me, yeah, personally, I think that was one something I struggled with for sure. But what yeah. about you, Matt? I mean, what would you say, like, what, what what sticks out to you as, like, one of the major reasons someone would do that? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't, it's not the last word on it, but, uh, the first thing that popped into my mind is, is comparison. It seems like for some reason, the, um, the heroes that we celebrate in ministry are the young, hip, up and coming guy. You know, they, they, they have all these statistics that, you know, uh, if you're, if you take a, a, you know, if you're a church planner, um, and your church doesn't grow in the first five years, you know, it's going to go down the tank or, or if you take over a new church, um, and, uh, you, you, you know, you only have a certain amount of time, uh, before uh, to get the church, uh, uh aimed in the right direction or else it's, it's going to be a failure. And, you know, we got those, they, those lists of like fastest growing churches. And it's always like the, the handsome young dude, uh, with the with the nice smile and the the shiny teeth, you know. So so we're thinking like, hey, I need to. Um, if you I'm gonna make my that, mark, uh, a model. Yeah. Sorry, dude. You, um, you, you, you. <laughs> if I'm gonna make a mark, if I'm really gonna do this thing, I need to do it within the you know the first uh, few years, or else I'm a bust. You know, it's kind of. Yeah. Uh, I I think that's one reason. I, I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my mind. But uh, what what do you think? Is there is there any validity to to that, or is that just just uh, Yeah, you know, man, I mean, that's really interesting. I think the whole issue of comparison, look, it it is a young guy's disease to look at someone else that might be ahead of you or, or in the position and feel like, oh, I could, you know, dude, I I could do that. I, I, they might say I could do that. Or they might say I could do it better or have some facet they, and then maybe they could in some level. But I think the other piece to that is maybe not totally grasping the complete picture of what's required to serve on in certain capacity of ministry, you know, for planting or pastoring. Um, so, I mean, that's, I think it's uh, certainly like the comparison, but also how about the whole issue of just really not grasping um, the task, you know, you might think you do, but I, man, I mean, I, that's why it's so important. I would, I would say to be under uh, the authority of a local church and to be learning from other pastors and those that have gone before us uh, for a season of our life, you know, um, super, super important. 
Yeah, we hear it all the time. We, we hear, you know, in the church planning world, and I coach and I do uh, train uh, church planners and you hear uh, church planners all the time. You know, they, they, they come from out of town and they're like, hey, uh, this place is so, you know, there's there, there's uh, all these lost people here. Um, we're going to start a church in six months. I don't know anyone. We're going to start a church in six months and then we're going to go out there and um uh, you know, back in Texas or wherever I'm from, you know, we, we have this great band, we have this great ministry thing and I know how to build this. And all we need is just, uh, you know, to, to yeah. do this, uh, you know, big, big worship service. And we're going to do this program, that program. And like you said, like not, not understanding, um, how hard the task is and not grasping, like, you know, um, sometimes a, a different seed, uh, grows, uh, in this, you know, in the soil differently and yeah. it, it's different. Right. So I, yeah, I think there's something yeah. to that. Not, not understanding and thinking like, Hey, this, this is, um, uh, like not understanding that, uh, something might've grown fast in a different place because of the, the soil, the soil was prepared, uh, ahead sure. of time, uh, yeah. by someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it grew fast because, uh, there was many people, a generation ahead of you was preparing that soil. Um, but, but, you know, that's why there was fast growth. But if you show up in a new place, man, uh, your, your ministry might be digging out rocks and breaking down, uh, the, the hard, soil you know your ministry might might be to till and and to sow and not necessarily to reap right yeah so, yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's one thing i think another another reason is um I, for it's actually a good thing um is people are really passionate you know a lot of pastors like they're passionate they have this purpose that um man look at all these lost people we got to do it now because time's a wasting um i i can't worry about all these things i can't worry about about systems i can't worry about strategic planning i can't worry about you know um building a team and and leaders and and uh, a system i just need to go out there and i need to do it now and because you know so that's a good thing but that's actually um you know maybe it's a little short-sighted immature uh yeah yeah, way of looking at it so no no. anything else we that's asking them the question like why is it why why are pastors why are pastors impatient um, right. uh, we miss anything? Yeah, on that? yeah, yeah. Uh, no, well, you know, there's probably more we could talk about. We're going to miss something. I mean, and not even, and just getting the question, not even fully being ready for the, how about this though, man? I'm thinking of just the pride element, you know, I mean, certainly there's, there's the passionate and there can be a God furnace type of passion for lost people, which needs to be there for sure. But also there can, there's some mixed motives, uh, in us because of our brokenness and because of our nature, because of sin. Uh, so we can, there could be pride and, you know, like, uh, I mean, you touched on it, but just the whole, Hey, we're going to do it right. We're going to get, we're going to have the band and we're going to have, you know, they should, they need to think through strategic plan they need to have structures, but they might think, uh, we're going to finally bring the gospel in this city. And man, that is such not a fair thing to say to yeah. the churches that have gone before yeah. us. Like, Hey, this town has not seen a pastor like me, right? Like we'll see. You know, this town, like, like, man, uh, a yeah. new sheriff's in town, you might've done it that way, but let me show you, they never, you know, uh, they never yeah. seen a leader as, as good as me. Right. So that's, that's, yeah, that's a little bit of pride and immaturity there. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, and you know what, Hey, look, how about this for, I think for us, maybe now it's fair to say, I can't speak for every generation, but maybe some unique things going on for us is just the speed at which things happen and uh, the expectations that have kind of brewed 
in us, the, the effects that that's had on us, I think with uh, things with technology, social media, and a lot, and some other pieces, we just want things fast. We want things now. And we're not uh, really up for pondering and reflecting and praying and giving something time and uh, waiting on God and listening to God and listening to the Christian community that I'm working with. Um, so, that, I mean, you know, all those things just kind of play into to the so impatient. people expect uh, kind of the, you know, the the startup, you know, like I've never heard of, I never heard of Facebook until, and then all of a sudden there's a billion people on Facebook and they're, you know, yeah. like, like there's like this, this, this thing, uh, startups, like, like, you know, you never heard of something, all of a sudden it's everywhere and people kind of expect that type of uh, success, right? They think of uh, in this world, like organizations uh, need to grow fast and, and um, yeah, I, I could see that expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So is that it? You think we're what, missing uh, anything? Yeah. Well, um, there's probably more, but, um, what, uh, why do you think, um, it is important, uh, to be patient? What, 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 why, why do you think that's important? Well, I think, I mean, just foundationally, uh, for the pastor, for the one doing this type of endeavor, their relationship with God is a very important piece to this whole thing for a lot of reasons. And so um, I, I think, uh, the, I mean, the Bible just screams out, hey, I'm going to just speak very generally, just trust in God, you know? I, I mean, how about you, man? What would you, how would you speak into that? Yeah. Um, let, let me ask the let me ask the question the the opposite way, and I think yeah. I think we we'll, come to the, the a better uh, conclusion of where I'm trying to go with this. But um, think about uh, when leaders or pastors um, are impatient. Yeah. Um, like how how does impatience get leaders and pastors in trouble? Um. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, well, you can head toward a disaster. I mean, you could not have a good plan. You could move too fast. You could, uh, uh, man, I, I, I mean, those are just some of the things that come to mind. I, you know, you could just, uh, you could just blow up the whole thing. Um, you could go out. I, if I, if I just think of like a planter in particular, you know, I think of a guy, I mean, you mentioned the guy that comes from the other side of the country, whether it's going from here to East or East to West, Going to a place where they really don't know yet is going to be a, a big issue. Not having the financial help could be a big issue. Um, not having your spouse, your wife. Um, um, I mean, God, listen, I mean, look, man, God calls the whole family. Like, it, if if your fam, if your wife is not wanting to plant, man, you're you're not you're you're not a planter. Like, you yeah. have no business planting a church. You know, I mean, so it. Uh, man, disaster, you know, it could be disaster for your household. It could be disaster for the local church and the people that you're working with. And it could be disastrous for your own soul. I mean, that's, so it could really could just, the ramifications are all around you. Like other people you're working with, you, your, your family. I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah. I, I think uh, also when you're impatient in ministry, um, uh, 
you're setting the bar kind of high for yourself and expectations um, unnecessarily high for, for yourself and everyone else. If you're saying, hey, we got to push, push, uh, we got to do this thing and we're going to accomplish this. And and if it goes slower than you think, um, you're going to start feeling like a failure. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's it sets uh, the expectation um too high. I think that's one of the ways it gets uh, pastors into trouble. But uh, let, let me let me ask that question um, in a more personal way. So, so Israel, you're really great with generality. So I'm going to try to get you to, to uh, bear your soul a little bit. Okay. Um, how has being impatient hurt you in ministry? Um, well, I would say, <laughs> Teen, you know, gotta get honest, dude, gotta get honest. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm totally down. I, I, I would say, um, um, one if of the ways. Mention, if you don't mention this, I'm gonna hang up on you because I was your coach uh, when you were planning the church. So I know, you better, I know. You better be honest. <laughs> All right, no, dude. I'll be honest. Hey, well, um, uh, for us when we merged with a um, a dying church, and so, um, that's where impatience impacted us. I mean, here, like we, um. We planted. So, so tell me, tell me about looking back, why you look at that as being impatient, and then and then just yeah, let's walk through uh, that. I think that's a, there's some great yeah. lessons, you know. Um, um, um uh, yeah, no, no, I so think you, plant, uh, you planted a church. It was a couple of years old, a year year old, year and a half, no, or something no, like that. Not even, no, not even no, one no, year. No, not even a year. I, I don't okay. think so. So let's see. So you were meeting in a rec center or a school or something like that. You had like 50, 60 people. Is that right? So planted on paper, 89 people, just kids and adults. And they were, um, and some were loosely, loosely tied. And so the core was pretty small. Um, and it was a mixed bag. And what it needed at the time was, was just time. You know, look, you had said to me, I mean, man, way early in the game. Hey, look, my bet will be. You're going to start planting and you're going to hear you'll get wins about merge or whatever, or some, some really like dying church is going to, they're going to see some new life and they'll be really excited to bring you guys over. He's, and you warned me like, dude, don't do it. Like just, that's going to all happen. And, and um, now, now what, what I did, I think where, where impatience impacted us is just going through the process um in a in a um just a really clear way for some of the people I had with me and helping them understand what that was going to mean. Now some people intuitively were able to kind of figure those things out as we just we had conversations and we were preparing to merge with this this other church. I mean they were like I just remember one of the gals in our church like just for example we, we see we were going to merge with a very conservative it was a sister church but it was a very conserv- conservative culturally Christian conservative. So no one had tattoos or anything like that. And our people did just for example. And I remember one of the gals like covering up her tattoos when we first like had the first Sunday together for, for months. I mean, she was covering up and it it wasn't because she was legalistic. It was, she was just trying to be sensitive and kind um, to the souls of the people around us. And we, and we, and you know what, and and we were, we were trying to be kind and careful in other ways, but the impatience piece, I think if I would have taken time to go with my people and walk them through and then, and then figure out a dating plan for a church that was dying. Um, and that's super, super hard. And I mean, there's messy pieces tied to all that for us, but because we were working with a, with a, a network that was, you know, had, that um, invited us to, you know, 
be interviewed or whatever. And so, but I think if I had moved wiser, if I had moved with some caution and uh, just and a little slower, it, it would have been better overall, you know? Yeah, um, because you, you walked yeah. into a lot of uh, dysfunction um, and and a lot of unnecessary fights and, um, you know, because the people weren't pre- the new church, the you know, the one that you were going to merge with, they weren't prepared for you. And yeah. you, you know, yeah. you, you didn't even have your people uh, uh, already prepared, right? Because everyone's new, right. you're getting right. to know each other. And you exactly. just need some time of, of just getting to know each other. It's like, a, it's like a, you know, you just got married. It's a newlywed, right? So you're just getting to know each other. And um, sometimes, you know, because the, there was this carrot there that this, this uh, church that wanted to merge with you had a nice building. And you guys were pulling a trailer um, and setting up every week. You're thinking, hey, this is uh, a shortcut. Um, but for, for in my experience, um, almost every shortcut that I took in ministry came back to it became something I, I later uh, regretted doing. You know, whether it be like hiring someone like, hey, this person, man, um, you know, they're they uh, they're um, they just started coming to the church and and let's give them a leadership position. And they have this experience from this exactly. other church. And and, you know, you know, they and then all of a sudden, because you don't vet them, you don't hang out with them for long enough. It's like, man, uh, there, there's a reason why, you know, why that other pastor, uh, let this person go, you know, he wasn't a blue chip and he, you know, there was other issues. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. take long enough time to, to no. get to know that person. You know, I, I regretted those things. Um, yeah, I also, um, and hey, hey, uh, for, and for uh, us, church- I would say this for, for us, look for the, um, the, just there, there were reasons why that church was dying and taking the time to really understand that and then unpack that a little bit and then help work with that oh man that would have been made a big difference so yeah so because of that because of that those because of the shortcut that came scars came with that so yeah so um let's um let's ask the the opposite question um you know think about think about some uh, examples in ministry where you were intentionally patient and it, it just worked out great um okay all right. So, um, impatient. So my, my MO is typically impatient. So I like to get things done really fast. So that is typically not my way when it came to planting though, I actually took about 15 years before I planted. So in that respect, it was helpful. I did not like it at the time. So, cause I was, I mean, team, we had talked about this a little bit, but I was recruited a couple times to plant and um you know went through assessment with the rca and we're moving forward we're gonna start gathering and a core and kind of talking to some people and um we said we said no man we're this we said no to them and then we pursued the, the free church and we looked at a a situation where we actually just learned you know we had been to boom camp and some different things and and got to know the planters and we're working beyond the assessment piece and you know, saw a model being offered to us that included like a group of churches in an area that were saying, hey, here's, you know, we want to give people and money and, um, you know, we'd like you to be reassessed and, and all that. And then we said no again, me, uh, my, my wife and I, because we discovered that the location was not where we felt 
that we were going to be best suited for. And so that put us on a little break before we actually planted. And what we ended up deciding, the, the, um, what we learned through the years was, well, why don't we plant where we really know and love the people? Like if we go up to this, whatever, this Lancaster area, I mean, you know, maybe I could figure it out, but could my wife, would that be where she wanted to live? It was not where she wanted to live. But here, like in North Orange County, um, edge of LA, like it, it made more sense for who we were suited for and who we, who we are as a couple and the networks of friendships that we have. And, uh, and so all those factors made a big difference. And I mean, that, that worked out well, um, for us because as we, we, as we were gathering and doing, we, there there was already years of trust in a whole like triangle of region, you know? between different churches we had served at and just relationships of Christians and non-Christians over the years. And so that's made a big difference um, for planting. You know, we weren't going in as strangers. So that's, that's an example where, where it actually paid off, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it yeah, took a long great. time. And, and long you time. realize that um, your, you have to prepare yourself, you know, your family, uh, you have to prepare your your own ministry skills, right? For for me, I, I think about a couple of things um, about times I was impatient in ministry. I think that's uh you know I mentioned one thing like trusting people um, with leadership too quickly or hiring too quickly. Um, sure. Other things that's is like it. launching a, a new program too quickly. Like we're you know sometimes like I, I come up with this idea. Hey, this we're gonna launch this uh, this thing like um, this two year Bible training center, and I just like. I didn't realize I just committed the next two years to this thing. Right. Like, Oh, yeah. like I thought it was just be like when I, you know, over like uh, launching a new program uh, uh, too quickly. Um, another thing is like for myself uh, advancing in leadership too quickly for, for myself, like, like, um, you know, I was a youth pastor and then I became a young adults pastor and I had this really sweet gig of uh, doing almost every, anything I, I, I wanted at, as an associate pastor at, at a church. I ultimately wanted to plant a church, um, and and I had this great ministry. It was a young adults ministry. I had my own pre- a service that I preached at. I had a team, and it was going great, but I'm like, I was so itchy um, to go and plant that I, I didn't realize that there were still a lot of things I needed to, uh, to pick up. Like I, you know, I, I needed to learn and develop some more skills and to be in this incubator because that church that I was at as a associate pastor, pastor was a great incubator, you know, um, and, uh, like I could try new things and, but there was a safety net, there was mentors. And, and I think for myself, just being too, a little bit too itchy too quickly, I, I, um, ran into unnecessary, um, hindrances and roadblocks you know i there's a lot of things i i um yeah so so uh, advancing too quickly um uh, is one of the yeah one of the things i i um yeah stepping out thinking that i was mm. ready before i was really ready um yeah so um um man, hey what, what would you say would be the some of the key skills you picked up before i mean i'm not saying it but you don't necessarily have to have them all like you know ironed out but what were some of the key skills you've you picked up before planting that were helpful. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the things, um, some of the things that you just got to learn along the way. Um, but like, I, I didn't realize like the biggest shocker when you become a, a lead pastor is you don't realize the weight of everything 
falls on you and how heavy that is. You know, it, before it's just like, oh, um, you're one, you know, you're on a team and uh, you could preach and you could do ministry and it's a lot of fun. But the, when when everything, you know, falls on you, um, it's just so hard to uh, like. You need to be really mature to be able to be prepared for that. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that's, just yeah. just having discipline. Hey, by the way, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I was just say, hey, look, man, just to camp on that just for a moment to say that is, I mean, absolutely true. It is so, you know, uh, until someone's actually in the lead position, they just really don't know. And I'm not trying to say that in a, in a prideful, like, hey, there's nothing harder than this. There's a lot of young guys that maybe they're aspiring to be, uh, you know, a, a lead pastor and they might think they're ready and they and they may they might be, but uh, they might not be. And they are in for some major weight. The burden of it is just is massive. And so and if they're not prepared emotionally and and maturity wise, just spiritually have the spiritual maturity, you know, um, man, they're getting for some serious heartache. And, and trouble for the church. So anyway, man, I don't want to interrupt you, but it was just like it, that that right there, that piece is just huge, you know? So, yeah. I mean, the, the how many times thing, guys? Yeah. Yeah, the other thing about that I need to learn how to be, um, you know, uh, uh, I needed to learn was just some, some more practical stuff about, you know, systems and tools and like, you know, I was very, I thought vision and preaching would, would do everything. That's all they need. You know, like, that's what the church needs. That's what I'm good at. <laughs> you don't realize that like, okay, you need to build a team. You get, you need, you need like family start coming. Like you better know how to uh, build a, a children's ministry. Uh, you know, you uh, right. people start getting totally. saved. Like you better know how to have a discipleship uh, system or else it's just like, if it all falls on you, it's just, that's not good. So, you know, that, that's one of some of the things that, that, um, I wish someone would have told me like, Hey, you got to take some time to, to, to develop some like, uh, either shore up your weaknesses or find a teammate that will, or find a system will mitigate, uh, you know, your weaknesses. You know, if you're not an organized person, you got to figure out, um, how to, how to, uh, you know, have a system to do it to do what you can't do right uh, so for uh, sure yeah for I, sure. I wish i was a little bit more patient with that um let's see um any any other you got any other examples about just uh uh oh man you, well, you were glad, well for me. you were glad like something that you you know that you invested time in and it just worked out and you're glad that you invested that time in um, yeah, I, I think um, another piece that, uh, you know, people land on different fences, the side of the fence for this, but the, I think seminary, or let's just put it under the category of training, a lot of training. I think, um, you know, the amount of time that took and the investment, um, I think is, is a really, was a really helpful, uh, important piece to the preparation. Now, it's not the whole thing, right? Just because someone goes to seminary doesn't mean that they should be a pastor, right? It doesn't mean that they're called. It doesn't mean they have the gifting. You know, it doesn't mean the people think that that person, that guy has, has the gifting. Uh, he might think he does, but he might not. So, um, but, but I think, uh, you know, with the, the time that's involved and the, the time, I think time to just work at that, uh, in a real focused season is really helpful. Now for me, I did not go through it fast. I, I actually took 
you know, six years, I took a year off. There was, uh, there was two years where I just did one semester at a time, <laughs> you know, because all of life was happening, having kids, trying to work a job, everything else. But I, you know, I mean, if you're looking at vocational ministry, like I'm not saying that you absolutely have to go to seminary, you know, uh, but, um, man, I think it's you. But you better important. get trained. You need to get trained. You but, better get uh, trained. Yeah, you've got to invest in training and mentoring, and it it needs. I mean, it's going to save you so much time later on, right? It's, you know what's more important for you mm. to yeah. go and serve in, and, and and this is the other thing. A lot of a lot of big churches have internships. Like, do not get involved in a big old giant church that that mm-hmm. you get to preach maybe once or twice that whole year. Like, no, no, you gotta, if you want to, to become a, try, a try pastor, the next three years. <laughs> exactly. You, I mean, that's what you, were, you were at a big church and they, you know, they, they didn't totally. let you do anything. Right. Um, yeah, you, know, no you, wash way. The, you wash the mega church pastor's car and, and, you know, iron <laughs> the socks or something <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. but, but one of the things I, I would say is this, the best thing, if you, if you are, if you want to be in ministry for a long term, like, the best thing for you to do is to go and serve at a little small neighborhood, tiny church, right? And uh, for several reasons. Number yeah. one, um, you you get you at a small church, you get to be a part of everything. You have to be a part of everything. You know, you got to preach, but you got to teach the kids. You got to take the the middle school kids uh, out to Knott's Berry Farm. You got to do the 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 you know the old ladies Bible study. You got to do weddings and funerals. You got to count. And you got to do all that stuff. You got to attend uh, budget meetings, and you you need all that. You need that experience, right? So, um, mm-hmm. and and another thing about um, why it's good to go hey, to a small yeah, church, yeah, uh, is this. The majority, like I heard, I think it was Carl Vader's. He has that blog, like new, new uh, smallpastor.com or something. I forgot what his blog is, but Carl Vader's. Yeah. He, 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 Don't he, know it. He, he, he says that like 95% of pastors will um, at one time or another pastor a small church. So like if you're a church planter, guess what? You are going to be pastoring a small church at least for a little while before your church grows, it's going to be a small church. If you're going to move over, um, you know, most likely if you're going to switch uh, from one place to another, most likely one of these, one of these churches is going to be a small church. So learning how to cross train at a small church, um, Mm -hmm. it's slow, um, but it would, it it would really, really help you. That's one of the things that my father-in-law did. Um, You know, his church was a medium sized church. It became a large church, uh, um, um, along the way, but um, uh, I was his intern, and uh, he made me uh, he made me do everything. It was frustrating because I'm like, uh, the funny thing was he he knew more about what God was calling me to do uh, than I did because I just thought of myself as a youth pastor, a youth pastors for life, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. why do I need to do? Why do I need to to? So he made me like a. Um, uh, learn how to counsel. He made me learn how to uh, do weddings and funerals and attend uh, committee meetings and to work with elders and to do everything. And I'm like, why do I have to do this stuff? I'm going to be a youth pastor. And he's like, you never know. You got to learn how to do everything here in this internship. And, you know, mm-hmm. a few years later, you know, uh, I told him, hey, God called me to plant churches and to be lead pastor. It's like, aren't you, aren't you glad that I trained you to how to do all this stuff? Right. So I thought he was wasting my time, but he was like Mr. Yeah. Miyagi. He was like, you know, wax on, wax on. Like, what is this for? 
It's like, yeah, I'll show you later. So, hey, hey, dude, I could say the same thing. My dude, I got the most training. I mean, I certainly got training. I I owe a lot of my ministry training to you know a big church in the city, the Evangelical Free Church in Fullerton. You know, there's another church, Cornerstone, Long Beach. But there was a smaller church I served for nine years, and I'll tell you what, man, I you know because I got to do everything you know everything you just mentioned i got to and you know in a big i i would man i would just reaffirm that same thing i would tell a young guy you know when it comes to patients they they, they want to go to i mean in our in our hood they want to go to mariners or some big church or whatever you could depends on the guy of course and theology and all that but a lot of guys they want to go to the big show and it's like dude you're not gonna do you're not gonna learn the same thing you're gonna you're gonna get a specialized thing that you will do and that's good uh and you might learn that well but man, it's really in a smaller church where you actually learn how to recruit like no one's business. Because when you're a small church, you can't just stand up in front of, you know, the youth group and be like, hey, everyone doing the beach. You know, you do that in a big church and 100 people show up. You you invite everyone to a thing in a small church. You got to like labor. You got to text. You got a phone call. You got to whatever, put together some sort. I mean, you just learn so many different things in a in the small church. Which you know, to your point, which is the where a lot of guys will be serving anyway. So, man, it's huge, man. And, uh, um, another thing I want to want to mention about um, how has being patient helped helped uh, me, and I didn't realize I was being uh, patient, but uh, but because um, I wasn't intentional, but I, I I do it intentional intentionally now. Was that I um, I realized, man, like one of probably the best um, uh, leadership training, discipleship tools that I ever came up with. I didn't realize it was a tool back then was I just met with, um, I had a men's breakfast with just dudes in the church. And I would just uh, meet with these guys at 6.30 a.m. at the Greasy Diner. And we just talked about family. I did Bible studies and we did accountability. And, I, you know, I just taught them stuff that I knew. And, and it was just over a meal. And it wasn't like, that organized. And I realized that what became of that is like all the guys that I met with um, for breakfast over this amount of, you know, uh, years, they ended up being the the leaders uh, in our church. And, uh, you know, I, I was patient uh, with them because it at that time, it wasn't a program, but I didn't realize this was the best program of developing leaders I ever came up with is like, let's meet over greasy bacon and eggs and let's just talk about what faith looks like. And wow, out, out of that came came our our, you know, our best leaders. What, what do you think about that? Uh, just investing in, uh, uh, yeah, investing in some guys um, like I was just real patient with them. Didn't really have, uh, you know, a, a timeline, but these guys are my best leaders now. So, I mean, that's that's like the best thing I ever came up with in, in leadership training was just being patient, meeting with these guys for breakfast. Uh, what do I think about it? Yeah. Um, so, hey, look, for I'm just going to tell you, I, I actually I got a little advice to do to do that. Um, and uh, and so I I mean, I, I call it leadership development. And, um, I basically, Hey, look, look, you know, it was, it was Brian Howard. I was, he was the one who had mentioned it to a, to a group of us and said, Hey, look, this would be worth your while. And so, so, um, that's been really valuable. And, um, I did, a just, a not a beta test, but, um, a run through with some, some kind of some key pieces. The more important piece for me was actually just getting time together 
with a few guys in our church to really find out where they are um, and just kind of and deal with their head, heart and hands. So, you know, we did a, you know, for head, we, we were just reading a little London Baptist Confession of Faith, doing life plan, different things like that. Um, just some some little discipleship stuff. And then where I could just investing in, in some of them, not not all of them like I would like, but uh, just getting some time with uh, each one of them. Um, or the ones I could, I would say it's super invaluable. It's helped me see where guys are spiritually because I'm get to be with them and I hear them and I hear their story and I learn about their strengths and their weaknesses and their interests uh, in ministry. I find out who the servants are and uh, man, it, it's really helpful for me because, you know, from that, I've got some guys that will be able to help uh, take some of the load off for me, which is just huge. So, I mean, there, there's massive things that I need to unload uh, and not do anymore. I mean, I've got, you know, just facility. I need, you know, a, a team leader for that and just some other stuff, um, you know, dealing with renters and um, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I would say, like, leadership development has helped me kind of see um, some of that stuff come out. I mean, I did a little unit on, on preaching, like a really, like a 30,000-foot level uh, one. And, and just to see, I knew some guys, some guys were, you know, they were coming interested in ministry and they had maybe had some experience, maybe even gone to seminary or had a, a, an interest in teaching and preaching. And so I said, okay, well, look, we'll do like a little unit. And I just did a quick little, you know, hour and a half lesson and then said, all right, here, and scheduled some guys to do it, gave them like a 15 or 20 minute sermon. And I've had a couple of them preach in the church and they did a great job. You know, so, I mean, it's been super valuable. I mean, it's, it's let me see who their teachers are and who the servants are and among many other things, man. So that one, I did not come up with that. I mean, the curriculum, the ideas were mine, but the, but, but someone spoke in my life saying, it was, you know, say, Hey, look, you know what? You should invest in guys every single year as a pastor like that. And I, I, it really struck me hearing this guy, hearing Brian talk about it. I was like, dude, I should be. Why, why wouldn't I be discipling a group of guys every year until, until I go home? You know, I mean, well, I mean, that's what we're about, right? So I, I definitely would want to invest in guys individually every year, but to, ingroup, to invest in a group of guys for one year. I mean, that's what I did. I basically did it for, I asked them to quit, to, to commit to showing up once a month in the evening on a Sunday night and just had them sign on the dotted line and have them show up. So, so what do I think? I think it's awesome. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> So uh, we'll uh, ask a, a couple of questions here, um, and we'll close up this issue. Uh, maybe we'll, uh, you know, um, uh, come back to it later on. I think there's a lot of stuff there. But uh, um, how? what would you recommend, uh, or how would you uh, mentor someone, or how would you recommend someone um, to embrace a long, uh, long-haul perspective? You know, like a lot of people are are flash in the pan. They start and they, they start something well, but, it, you know, they burn out. You, you see these uh, pastors, um, you know, people, they, they get famous uh, and then all of a sudden they, you know, they, they burn out. Um, you know, some some of it's moral, but some of it is just like, man, they just cannot uh, maintain the pace of things. Right. So um, how would you um, encourage a, a new or a struggling pastor to take on the long haul perspective? Well, I, I have to speak about my, myself primarily with one of my, my weaknesses. I mean, it's related to a strength and some gifts that God has given 
that I'm grateful for. But in the mid, oh, so so I'm really I'm really driven, and um and I and that's really helpful. It really serves me well to focus in and work really hard and be committed to some some something you know, for the long haul. But the messy part of that in me, the brokenness, is that I actually need to really fight for rest, and um, and so. I, I know some things of what I, I need to do. And there's some things I'm working on, you know, there's like, I mean, just for example, I've been, uh, just working out every single morning, um, things like that, whatever, and spend time with my, my wife and my kids and uh, all that kind of stuff. But I have to really work and fight for it. I, I don't know that that's everyone's struggle. I mean, that's, that's some people that's, that's me, my, my population. Um, so it's really driven. It's very achieve oriented. It's related to some brokenness in me. And so, and that brokenness when it's unhealthy is going really hard. Now that's, it's not sustainable. It's not, it is not sustainable to go really, really hard for the rest of your life. You're just not designed for that. You need rest and Sabbath and, and, um, and so, man, so just starting with me, uh, like the advice piece would be like, wow, I mean, you, you have to learn how to rest. And I think you have to learn to, how about sit under the authority of another pastor for a season and another church? I think a lot of guys want to bypass that. And instead of just enjoying that particular season of it, guys want it like now. Like, I mean, and I know that's like my, like, I I get it, but I, I can look back, honestly, and I can remember my first experience in ministry and it was years, dude, it, my first stint in like church ministry was almost nine years um, of just being at that church um, and not getting paid, and it just was so much fun. I mean, it's I mean, it, it, you know, it was Evie Free and Fullerton. I mean, they, they just loved me, and they let me do all kinds of stuff. I did youth ministry in college, and led worship and Bible studies and small groups, et cetera, et cetera. And and I, I just think you know, like just sitting under the authority of another church and other pastors and a boss and learning how to be a good employee and a servant is going to serve you well, you know, cause if you can't do that, you just can't lead. Well, yeah. I, I'm just, I, you cannot, you will not be a good leader. You will not serve others. Yeah. I, I, for me, I, I'd rather like my, like I have a very small team. I, I, my hope would be if you ask them that they would say, dude, you know what? I know he loves me. He cares for me. He listens to me. He serves me. I, I mean, my hope. I, I mean, I try this. I, I I write this down. I I want my my team to say, "Gosh, that guy really, he he actually serves me." Um, and I'll try. And I, I'm gonna fail. I, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. If you if you can't learn to sin under authority, you, you won't be a good leader. So, that's good. Know. That's really good. Um. I have three thoughts on this. Like, like, how do you develop a, a long haul uh, perspective? Um, and uh, yeah, let's let's see what you think about these. Okay, I think I think the first the first idea is is to to realize that um, people take a lot longer to develop than you realize. That that um, you know mm-hmm. it's not going to be a program. Yeah, you know, like even if you have this this uh, whatever one year discipleship thing, there, it's going to take longer. You know, um, people say, for sure. People say uh, like you overestimate, you know, what 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 you can do in six months, but you underestimate what you can do in five years. And the, and the idea is, um, you know, uh, going back to like Stephen Covey, like uh, um, you got to prepare. You got to you got to sharpen your saw first and take some time and just preparing. And, and you know, some some like don't 
don't waste the the time of uh, preparation and just realize it's it's a it's a long-term work i mean it's uh you're gonna spend your life doing this i mean is is ministry gonna be um just a, a project or are you are you know is it a project that you're just kind of starting this church or uh or is this a long-term thing and to realize people people take longer than you realize to develop so that's a that's the first thing i would tell people like why mm-hmm. you should have a long-term perspective uh is like man it's that that new convert uh they got a lot of things to work out you know so um it's not going to happen as quickly as you think um the the mm-hmm. the second thing um <laughs> is, the second uh thing i would say to a person who's impatient is to, to realize that it's like hey realize that people are not projects like like you're you're mm-hmm. they're part of they're, they're part of the family. They're not projects that, that you want to like, um, you know, um, put them through, a you know, a discipleship system or, or I want to do this. I want to accomplish this. People aren't tasked and, and they take their own time. And, and, you know, what people need is they need consistency. They need love. They need community. And a lot of these things are really slow. They need mentors. They need, you know, a lot of these things are really slow. The people aren't projects. They're they're You got to realize you're, you're nurturing people and uh, be patient with that so uh, you know have a long haul perspective mm-hmm. and then and then the, the the third thing i would say um the reason why you need to develop a long haul perspective is is to realize that you're going to have to pass the baton someday and that ministry this ministry is really not about you and uh you know a lot of impatience i believe comes from um, our own self-centeredness and our own need to accomplish something, to to make our mark or to justify ourselves or, or to prove something and to realize, man, um, you're going to have to pass this on to someone else someday. And, and you know, um, it, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be like you're going to have to develop a, a system if you want that thing to, to live on past you. Um, it's going to take time to, to take root and to develop a, a system and a structure. So those things take long. So th- those are the three uh, things that I would say mm-hmm. um, about how you mm-hmm. or why you should develop a long haul perspective. Yeah. What do you mm-hmm. think? Any, any, any thoughts That's on good. those three? Dude, uh, man, no, that, that is, that is really good, dude. I have nothing to add to that. Okay. That's good stuff. Well, we're uh, we're talking about advice to struggling pastors. Uh, there's seven pieces of advice. Um, the first piece uh, advice we would give to a struggling pastor or a new pastor is be patient and prepare for the long, uh, the long haul. Uh, and next week um, we're gonna or next uh, episode we're gonna talk about uh, number two, which is you got to find some friends in ministry. Um, and uh, for for you listening out there, um, I want to encourage you. If I would love would love to hear some feedback. Uh, uh, you could go on to our website, um, strugglingpastors.com. And on this episode, uh, the, the page for this episode there, scroll down to the bottom and there are, there's a section for comments. Would love to, to hear from you, uh, what you thought about this episode and, and, um, you know, uh, what you would say to a, a young pastor or a struggling pastor about the, the importance of being patient. So, um, yeah, uh, connect with us, strugglingpastors.com, and uh, uh, we'll talk to you on the next episode. Uh, thanks for listening.